people tend to overlook this one. I mean, it was late on in the canon of this studio, and it seemed to be a zeitgeist chaser. Plus, there was another film from the same studio that did better in the reviews. I'm talking about Hammer. I'm also talking about Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires, which myself and my wife and my friend Alan, hello Alan, looked at the other day because we really, really enjoy it. So as kids, I've seen it recently and I think it's better than people reckon. I rather enjoy it, but one of the problems up front is that I suppose it is a cut and shut job of, okay, we're going to, you know, there are popular Kung Fu movies around, so we're going to try and uh, ride that wave. So there's a cut and shut of Kung Fu movies and Dracula. But actually, it's not as bad as it could be. What is bad in this movie is Dracula. Now, he's only on at the beginning and the end because he's regenerated and then he has a fight uh, in the end before ultimately coming to meet his doom, as usual, in Hammer Dracula movies. But there is an issue with him, really. This is John Forbes Robertson, who does try very hard um, and did a lot of horror movies. And I remember reading somewhere that he was going to become not a regular Dracula for Hammer, but was considered from that way. Now, they're big shoes to fill, literally because of his height and also because of his fantastic presence. That's Christopher Lee. So it's difficult anyway, but they don't make it easy for him. The production doesn't make it easy for him. He looks like some kind of old Rue in the way he's made up. When he first arrives, and it is lovely because he uh, comes out of his coffin, stands up out of the coffin, which is always lovely to see. But not for R2 like, you know. But they've given him stage makeup. So the camera's fairly close to him, and you can see the shading. Now it's not like that later on, but I tell you what is the same lipstick. They've given him lipstick. Why would you do that? It's not the best performance in the world. He doesn't do much with it. He's not given that much to do. But it's the look that's the issue. He does look like an old actor-manager. You know, like a guy who's about to go and play Puck when he's probably in his 40s or 50s. Not that I'm saying that, that this actor is as old as that, but he just looks doesn't look right for the role, to be honest. It's a shame, really, because he does try really hard and he's got some nice moments. Scamp though they are, because he doesn't get much time. So, that's one of the issues here. One of the other issues, actually, and the plot you'll know is about um, sort of mystical vampires who all wear a big gold amulet and there's not seven of them, there's only six of them and they need to resurrect the other and one of, Dracula becomes, his soul goes into someone who's bringing them all together. And you don't really need to know too much about this. What you really need to know is some nefarious goings on with vampires. And Van Helsing gets to know about it. And he brings his son along as well. And that Van Helsing is played by Peter Cushing. So he couldn't be any better. He is immaculate in this film as usual. So good with props. So good with... Um, at one point, he's he's eating. Get a close-up. And he's talking and giving us plot. 
while he's eating. And it's beautiful. There's no spitting, there's no chewing, and he is eating. Great actor. Not just great with, with, with props and great with plot, a really gentlemanly actor who inhabited that role and so many other roles. He's great in this. Now, he's got with him a sort of motley crew of people. There is his son, Leyland Van Helsing, and like the 1970s company, tries very hard, gets involved in the action to not very much good outcome. Sadly, he's played by Robin Stewart. Now, you'll know Robin Stewart because he's done movies. He's done some movies and he was probably most famous for taking over from Robin Asquith. Or did, or did the film come first in Bless This House? Robin Asquith played the son in the film of Bless This House. You know, with... <laughs> Sid James. Or Winston, or Winston Churchill, if you think you laughed like that. And he is in the TV series. And looking back, the performance is not one I enjoy in the TV series. But I thought when I saw this Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires fairly recently, that he was a lot better. Watching it this time, it's not a performance I particularly enjoy. But he does get stuck in. He hasn't really got any fighting skills, but he's got good avoidance skills and he wants to give it a go. So he's there along with Julie Edge as Vanessa Buren. Now, Julie Edge, you know, you'll know, is a kind of... Um, well, she's a sort of temptress, isn't she? She's in British sex comedies like um, The um, Seven Deadly Sins with Leslie Phillips in the, in the gluttony section, which is all about sex and food, really. And, you know, she's in Up Pompeii as Voluptua, the epitome of temptresses. Here, she's kind of getting together with um, with the gentleman who is who goes to see um, Professor Van Helsing when he's having a discussion with him, and it's uh, David Chang as Si uh, Ching, who's uh, bringing together his cohorts and fellas, uh, including including um, a lady called Mai Kuei who is also great at Kung Fu, Karate, Martial Arts, whichever you like to call it. It's not certain here, I don't think. And um, Robin and uh, Mai Kuei, or rather Leyland and Mai Kuei, get together, as do Xi uh, Jing and, um, and Julie Edge's character, Vanessa Buren. So there's a bit of love going on there. And actually, it's quite nice because they, they walk for miles to find where the vampires are, only to be ambushed by them through the bat transmogrification situation. The bat transmogrification situation sounds like a prog album to me. Anyway, they walk a long way and they get to know each other and it's quite a sweet situation that you wouldn't expect people to fall for each other. And it's that sort of, well, we're from a different world, we're both from different worlds, but we actually find love with each other. Really nice. So... There's your basic idea, which is these vampires are running rampant. The vampires don't always look great because they've got Nosferatu teeth. So the two, so not central teeth, but kind of not fangs either. So they look like sort of overbite, big overbite sort of teeth. And they are very papery skinned because they've been around for a few yards. 
and they don't look like Christopher Lee because he was a gorgeous gentleman. And they don't wear capes, so that's nice. Um, it's interesting that they look a different way, and the way the film looks is really lovely as well. Now, they didn't just get to um, one of the empty lots at Shepperton or, you know, one of those kind of uh, British film studios. They went to Kowloon and they went to Hong Kong. So you've got really good, some really good um, scene shots, some really good scenic stuff. Roy Ward Baker was the director here, who is a safe pair of hands and bring this, brings this movie in. Not entirely without some stress, I don't think, because you've got, you've got a crew who are not English and there's a language barrier and all of that. And um, because it was partially financed um, by a Hong Kong film producer, there was some extra stuff. Well, for the American market, some stuff was cut out, making a shorter film. For the um, for other markets, it was the extra sort of martial arts sections were beefed up. But the se- but the martial arts stuff here is the kind of thing that you'll see in those Bruce Lee movies, and it works really well. You've got a load of people, um, a load of people in the scene. There's a load of extras as well, actually, because they've got acolytes. These vampires. I mean, there must be hundreds of them. Oh, well, at least a couple of hundred. Must have been quite expensive. Wasn't a success at the box office, this. People didn't like the sort of, as I said earlier, cut and shut of that. But I think it's interesting. However, the action scenes are really good. And there's quick avoidance, great leaping, all of that that you'd expect to see. Really, really good quick cutting from Roy Ward Baker who deserves a bit of kudos for that. He keeps you really interested. And Peter Cushing gets involved. You know, he's involved. And there's a fantastic Bozeman as well, with really, really thick arrows. I mean, massive. It's good stuff. There's two big scenes, one in a cave, one in a sort of deserted castle, I suppose, or fortress, if you you like. And um, both of those scenes, really good to watch. Now, more or less at the same time with Hammer, um, in fact, in the same year, 1974, you've got um, another film which they thought was going to be incredibly successful for them. It took a while to come out, this. It was Captain Kronos, Vampire Hunter, with Horst Janssen and John Cater and Caroline Munro and uh, Ian Hendry, all in black leather. Very nice. And that, it's a different kind of movie as well. They were trying to move away from the here's Christopher Lee in a cape in a castle situation. Um, they didn't have the money to make another one of those. And they are struggling around financing at this time, apparently, Hammer. But this one's been sort of overlooked. Because what people do is they jump from, well, they're the, they're the Hammer horror films. You know, they're the, they're, there's the Dracula films and all of that. Um, Taste the Blood of Dracula and Satanic Rites and all that kind of stuff. Dracula AD 72. And then there's a few films um, and also some comedy films like On the Buses. And then you've got To the Devil a Daughter and that's it apart from the Hammer Horror series. But there are nuggets within there. Kronos is a great movie. This is a really enjoyable movie. I don't think it's a great movie. 
I think it's a kind of mix of really odd things. And in a way, they're saying, look, I know we're trying to ride the zeitgeist here um, and trying to reflect society, which they also do in The Beast Must Die, you know, with Calvin Lockhart, um, who's, who, who they were trying to make into a big hammer star, you know, uh, who's a black actor who's got a really big part in that and really drives the whole thing. And it's really laudable they were trying to do that. So it is a riding of the zeitgeist, and it is, as I'll say it again, a cut and shut of Dracula, because he's there at the beginning and the end, and martial arts movies, because there's lots of martial arts stuff within it. They do the um, the history of it and the legend very well, and because Peter Cushing delivers that, you know it's going to be fabulous. And he is controlled and wonderful and just as good as he ever was in this movie. And I think because it is a bit of a strange hybrid, you've got a load of people who are disparate characters. You know, you've got people from England mixing with, um, you know, people, a, a martial arts, um, a martial arts group, and they get together. They try to find common ground. It's really interesting that that reflects the whole idea of the film. It's about trying to bring those two things together. The characters manage it a lot better than this movie does. But you know what? That doesn't mean to say that this should be avoided. Because it's one of the good ones from Hammer. Ta-ta.